0: When you think of the year 2020, what is one word that comes to mind? <laughs> if you could choose one word to describe this year, what would you choose? Now, I can't speak for you. You're supposed to only just think the word. But anyways, it's okay. I can't speak. I can't speak. For, some of you are very passionate about that question. I'll tell you, Pete, what word comes to mind when I think of 2020. <laughs> no. For me, when I think of 2020, I, I mean, it's like an entire phrase. Like, what in the world is going on? Who here has asked themselves that question this year? What in the world is going on? You know, when I look around in 2020, there are not a lot of smiles. I don't know if it's the masks. It probably is the masks. But in all seriousness, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I just, I'm not noticing a lot of joy. You know, the APA, the American Psychological Association, conducted a poll this year that found, check this out, that eight out of every 10 adults say that the coronavirus pandemic has added an extra amount of stress to their lives. And then one in every five adults, now this is alarming, one in every five adults say that their mental health is worse than it was at this time last year. So I think it's safe to say that there is more worry, there is more stress, there is more uncertainty than ever before, at least in my generation. There's not a lot of joy. Now, I look around this room this morning and I see joy because we all have something in common. The Prince of Peace, amen? Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, who is our king, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So of all people, we have joy, right? So this morning, I want us to consider some words that our Prince of Peace said to his disciples in John 15. Look at verse 11 with me. If you don't have a Bible, the words will be on the screen. Jesus says this in John 15. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus wants our joy to be full. Can I get an amen this morning? And I don't know about you, but I want some of his joy in my life today. I want to end 2020 with some joy. I want to burn out bright in this year for Jesus. So what are these words that Jesus is saying to his disciples that their joy would be full. Well, let's read here, starting in verse one. Let's, let's jump back down. John 15, verse one. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, and neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Wow. Now if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Verse 9 As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And verse 11 again, let's read it together. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Come on, let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we just magnify your name, Jesus. We ask, Holy Spirit, that right now you would come, Lord, your, your presence would, would be just so strong here in this place as we read your perfect inspired words. Would you give us wisdom and discernment to understand, Jesus, what this means for us? And would we leave this place refreshed by the true vine, our Messiah, Jesus, be glorified in this time. Overlook my inadequacies as a man, Lord, speak through me in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, if you're taking down notes, the title of my message is, What Does Jesus say about bearing fruit? And this is our final installment in our Red Litter series. I'm super excited. Now, I think in order for us to understand what Jesus is saying here in John 15 and what it means for us today as the church, we need to properly grasp and wrap our minds around what it meant for the disciples in their immediate context. So Jesus is speaking here to his disciples. Check this out. Here in the Gospel of John, chapters 13 through 17, all that Jesus is saying, all the red letters, is happening in one night. Did you know this? It's the Passover meal. Jesus is sharing his final Passover meal. It's known as the Upper Room Discourse. Okay, Pastor Rob talked about this last week. And some of Jesus' most famous teachings are here in these chapters. And some of these teachings we've already covered in our Red Letter series. Jesus talks about the dependency upon the Holy Spirit. He talks about washing each other's feet. He says that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And the whole point of this meal, Jesus institutes communion. He talks about what he's going to accomplish on the cross, and he's preparing his disciples for life and ministry apart from him here on earth. And at the end of chapter 14, Jesus takes a turn. The disciples and and him, apart from Judas, they leave the upper room and they're making their way toward the garden of Gethsemane in the cool of the night. They are literally hours from Christ's betrayal and arrest. And in this moment, Jesus says something radical he gives his seventh I am statement. In the book of John, there are seven I am statements that identify who Jesus is. And here this morning is the seventh and final. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And you got to understand, this is radical. This is symbolic. For us today in the 21st century, the symbolism isn't as significant, but for the disciples, in a Jewish context, they would have known exactly what Jesus was referring to and exactly what he was redefining. You see, biblically speaking, throughout the Old Testament, the vine and the vineyard always represented the nation of Israel. It was a picture. Israel was likened to a vineyard or a vine that was meant to bear fruit unto God. Now the problem is, every time in the Old Testament this picture of a vineyard or a vine is used, it is prophesied or it is used in the negative because the people of God struggled through rebellion and disobedience. The nation of Israel struggled to bear fruit to God at times. But here in John 15, the plan of God is unfolding through the Messiah, Jesus. And what Jesus is saying is huge. He's saying, it's me. It's all about me. I've lived the life that national Israel never could. I've done what you could never do. I have perfectly borne fruit for the glory of the father. It's me. I am the true vine. But here's the catch, friends. And this is the good news for us. Christ is not some unattainable goal. No, What he is saying here in John 15 is now I want you to bear fruit by my power, by my sustenance and my life flowing in you and through you. Jesus said I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That's what he's saying here. It's my life in you and through you. Basically what Jesus is saying is this. You see, what I commanded and man failed to do I have now fulfilled so that you can live it. The commandments of God that man failed to live up to, I have fulfilled the law and the prophets so that you can live it. If you want to bear fruit, it's about me. My love, my words. In other words, fruitfulness for the glory of the Father comes from dwelling in me. This is radical for the disciples, What Jesus is saying is it's no longer your connection to Israel. It's your connection to me. I am the true vine. So what does it mean for us? Three takeaways today if you're taking down notes. The first takeaway is this. Abiding results in abounding fruitfulness. Abiding results in abounding fruitfulness. Look at verse 5 with me again. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Jesus states that bearing fruit is only possible through an intimate and real connection with him. Jesus is saying, make your home in me as I make my home in you. You see, we have the tendency to think that fruitfulness in our lives comes from our activity for God. The more I do, the more fruit I bear. But don't get it backwards. Fruitfulness doesn't come from activity for God. Rather, activity for God is a natural result of our connection to God or our abiding in him. And this is really good. Check this out. Are you ready? I love this. As we abide, he will abound. As we abide, he will abound. It's not as I abide, I abound. No, as I abide, he will abound. It's his life in me and through me. Jesus says, make your home in me. You see, we have the tendency to think that we can produce fruit in and of ourselves. We can get it done. But don't miss Jesus's potent word picture here. Bearing fruit is much less about what we do. Rather, it's about who we are connected to. I'm going to say it again, church. Church. Bearing fruit is much less about what we do. Rather, it's about who we are connected to. Now, this offends our Western way of thinking, our Western capitalistic way of thinking. We're in the USA, baby. We can get it done. We can build it. We love to think that we are the captain of our own ship. Self-help. Behavior modification therapy, big theological term here, moralistic, therapeutic deism. Be a better person. You can do it. You can make it. Try a little harder. Read this book. Download my free PDF. Listen to this podcast. Do it. It's all on you. No, 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 no. When we believe those lies that we can make it on our own, that we by our own power and by our own efforts can attain spiritual success. The result is that we reduce God to a self-help genie in a bottle that I can pull out at any moment, rub, and get whatever I want. And then we treat God like a theological salad buffet. I'll pick and choose what I want without enjoying and believing his true substance. He is the true vine. It's his life in us and through us. What Jesus is saying, church, this is gospel truth. Just receive this over your life today. It's not really about what you do. It's about what I've done. I am the true vine. So receive my love and my words and watch them work through you to the glory of the Father. It's not what you do. It's what I've done. And look, the concept of abiding is not restricted to our abiding in Jesus. It also includes his abiding in us. Guys, it's a mutual dynamic. Do you understand this? Just as much as Jesus wants us to abide in him, he wants to abide in us. He wants your life to be fruitful. He wants your life to bring glory to the Heavenly Father. He wants to work in you and through you. That's his desire. It's a mutual dynamic in no way is the responsibility for abiding only upon the believer. I love how John Corson puts it, and I'm just going to rip him off. So thank you, John. John says this, an irrefutable, it's a good word, an irrefutable fact of spiritual life is that every man, every woman, is only as close to the Lord as he or she chooses to be. And if you choose to abide in him, wrap yourself around him and stay close to him, you will inevitably bring forth much fruit. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, Pete, I'm struggling. Like, honestly, I don't feel like there's much fruit in my life. I don't feel vitally connected. You're talking about loving union. What in the world is that? I'm not bearing fruit at all. I don't even know what it means to abide. Second point today, Take heart. Help is on the way. Abiding results and abounding fruitfulness. Second point, help is on the way. Friends, we can, help, we can expect help outside of ourselves. Look at verse 2 with me. Jesus says, again, in verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. What are you saying, Jesus? Taking away? Pruning me? <gasps> Don't get this wrong. Check this out. The word in verse 2 that's translated take away is the Greek word arrow. Everyone say arrow. arrow. This is a word in which three of the four definitions deal with lifting up, raising up, or picking up. It's only the fourth definition that says takes away. So what's my point? Well, this same, this same word is used in John eleven forty one, 41, where Jesus lifts up his eyes toward the heavens. And again, in Luke 17, when the people lift up their voice, so the Greek word arrow is lifting up, picking up, raising up. The context here in John 15 lends itself to be best understood as lifted up. So with Jesus, you can expect to be helped up when you're struggling to bear fruit. When you're struggling to bear fruit, the father who is the vine dresser will come and arrow, he will help you up. Now, look again at verse two, the word translated in English prunes is the Greek word kathiro. Everyone say kathiro. And this Greek word is where we get our English word catharsis, which refers to a cleansing process a washing. So with Jesus, you can expect to be helped up and you can expect to be helped out. You can count on the the life-sustaining and producing power of Jesus in your life and the Father's tender care to help you bear more fruit You see, it was not uncommon in a vineyard for a vine to have so much fruit on it that it was weighed down and would droop down into the mud and the dirt and the vine dresser would come and arrow would pick it up and then Cathyro cleanse it of the mud, expose it to the sun so that it would bear even more fruit. What am I trying to say? I'm tired of the messages that say that Jesus is coming to cut you back with his hedge clippers. Christ is not coming to cut you off or cut you back. He wants you to bear fruit. He wants to help you up. He wants your life to bear fruit. He wants to give you his abundant life. And I think sometimes we read this text all wrong, like God is out to get us. It's the opposite. He wants to live through us, love through us, and lead through us. And guess what? He's the God that helps us along the way. Takeaway number three for us today is this. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Look at the end of verse five through six with me. Jesus says, for without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. This is some strong imagery from Jesus, but I really believe that this has to be one of the most freeing passages of all scripture. Apart from me, you can do nothing. How freeing is that? It's one of the most freeing passages of scripture and yet it challenges us to the very core of our nature as human beings. Because we love to believe that we can make it on our own we love to believe that we can build it, we can do it, just do it. I can do lots of things. I can, I can love my family, I can love my wife, and I can try to be a good friend, and I can try to work and serve in ministry. There's a lot of things I can do, but apart from Christ, there will be nothing of eternal value. Nothing I can accomplish that has eternal value and that bears lasting fruit to the glory of the Father. It's only possible through Him. It reminds me of what Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 22. It's the people that come to Jesus there at the end and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many signs and wonders in your name? And what does Jesus say? Depart from me. I never what? Knew you. This is scary. Because we can have activity for God yet be completely disconnected from him. Jesus dismantles this idea of, well, hey, if I just work hard enough, I can make it. No. It's his life in you and through you. And look, church, when we struggle and fight to produce things, to bring glory to our heavenly father in our own strength, we can't we end up burnt out and dry. We end up like this branch here in verse six that's withered and dry and is cast into the fire. It's good for nothing. Because when we choose to do it on our own, we reject the power in life that only the vine can give us. And it will leave us empty. And some of you know what that feels like, don't you? You know what it's like. You know, have you ever been driving in your car and then you notice that your gas light comes on you're close to empty, but you think to yourself, you know what, I bet you I can make it a few more exits down the freeway or a few more miles down the road only to end up on the side of the road at a dead stop without any gas. Who's ever been there before? Come on, unashamedly raise your hand. There was a lot, there was a lot in second service. You'd be surprised. Okay, that's a terrible place to be, right? That is such a picture of our spiritual lives when we attempt to do things for God apart from his power, yeah, we might be able to get a little ways down the road of this life, but we will ultimately end up like that car on the side of the road at a dead stop without any gas and with no power to propel us any further. And just like that car needs help outside of itself, it needs a gas station, it needs fuel to fuel that engine and to keep it going down the road, we need help outside of ourselves. We need the abundant life of Jesus in us and through us to make it in this life. Can I get an amen? Nothing else is worth it. Everything else will leave you up high and dry. It's only Jesus. Apart from him, you can do nothing. Don't be offended by that. Lean into it. I don't even want to try to do anything without him. I want him. I don't want imitation fruit in my life. I want real lasting fruit to the glory of the Father. So he's saying, if you abide in my love, come on, I like that. If you abide in my love, you will obey my commands. So look, We need help outside of ourselves. We need strength. So I'm going to ask you this question, church. How do we abide in him? How? How do we experience fruitful lives that glorify the Father? How? How do we abide in his love? How do we abide in his words and his commands? Well, let's read verses 8 through 10, and we'll talk about it. Jesus says this in verse 8, By this my Father is glorified that you would bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. What does he say right here? Abide in my love. Okay, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, what? You will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So how do we abide in him? Firstly, we grow in his love love. We grow in his love. Church, his love motivates and moves me. I receive his love. I bask in the glory of his love. And then because I am motivated by his love, I am moved to give his love to others. It's the model that Jesus says here in verse 9. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. It's that vertical and horizontal relationship we're always talking about here at church. And when I receive vertically the love of God and I bask in his glory, I'm motivated by it, I abide in it, I am I am moved to give it to others. It reminds me of 1 John 4, 9. John is writing and he says what? We love him because he first loved us. We have the capacity and the ability to love only because he first loved us. How am I supposed to know how to give love if I, have not rec- if I have not first taken the time to receive it from my heavenly father, if I'm not abiding in his love? You know, it reminds me of my precious wife. I love my wife. She's great. And one of her love languages is acts of service. Who here likes acts of service for a little love language? Raise your hand, come on. It's so funny. Acts of service is the one where people half raise their hands because they don't want to put pressure on their spouse. (laughs) It's funny. Okay, but I struggle with this, not going to lie. Not because I don't love my wife, but because I'm, like, doing the dishes, cool with that. I'll do the dishes, babe. Um, Clean the floors, I'll do it. I'll do a little laundry. She actually doesn't like it when I do the laundry because apparently I I mess it up. Um, But anyways... (laughs) I'm not the most handy guy, okay? So who has a honey to-do list waiting for them at home this afternoon? Okay. (laughs) I love it. So look, when I'm struggling to love my wife, I don't get up at 5.30 in the morning on my day off, grab my cup of coffee, and go outside and build the chicken coop. And then afterwards go, ah, I love Sierra way more now. No, 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 no. It's the opposite. My love for her motivates and moves me to wake up at 530 in the morning and brew my cup of coffee and go outside and build the chicken coop. It is my love for her that motivates and moves me to action. And it's the same in our relationship with God. The crux of Christianity, church, is not you do therefore you love; it is you love therefore you do. We the more we love and are won over by His love for us, the more we do, because we can't help it. So we grow in His love. Number two, how do we abide? We grow in His words. We receive his words. We meditate upon his words and then we live them out. So Christ's love, it motivates and moves me while well, his words purify and direct me. Christ's words purify and direct me. He says this to his disciples in verse 3. Look, he's, he's saying this Passover meal. It's beautiful. He says in verse 3, you are already clean because of what I've spoken to you. We know that scripture talks about the washing of the word. When we open our Bibles and we're washed, we're cleansed from the inside out by the word. We know that scripture describes the, the, the Bible and God's word as a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. His words purify and direct me. Jesus said this, heaven and earth will pass away, but not my words. By no means will they pass away. So don't miss Jesus's point. Fruitful lives begin with receiving his love, receiving his words, and then making continual choices to stir my affections for him, that he may live through me, love through me, and lead through me. I want to I stay in a place of stirring my affection for Jesus. That's what abiding looks like in his love and his words. Now, all of you are well taught here at Calvary Vista. So you know that when it comes to spiritual growth and discipleship under Jesus, there are, I'm going to say, four non-negotiables. There is the word of God, Reading the word of God. Amen? Can I get an amen? That's a non-negotiable. Second non-negotiable, prayer. They go hand in hand. Third non-negotiable, being the church and being at church today. Can I get an amen? The ecclesia, the assembly. Third non-negotiable, the church is essential. Number four non-negotiable, worship. Corporately, individually. Those four non-negotiables are obviously fundamental to our growth. Amen? And I will argue those to the day I die because I hear people all the time going around, well, the church is... No. It's non-negotiables. But when it comes to stirring our affection for Jesus, this is going to look different from person to person. It just will. Some of you... 4 a.m. is your affection time for Jesus with your cup of coffee, amen, come on, or your cup of tea. If it's tea, we're praying for you. you your eyes will be opened one day. You will understand. No, but in all seriousness, some of you, 4 a.m., it's early in the morning, you're, you're, you're reading, you have a devotional, your affection is stirred for Jesus, you're worshiping, it propels you into your day. Some of you, 4 a.m. is the devil's hour. <laughs> it's like, no. You're more like 1 p.m. I'm good, 1 p.m., 10 p.m., midnight. It's going to look different from person to person when it comes to stirring our affection for Jesus. Some of you, you go on a hike and your affection for Jesus is stirred and you're led to worship him because you can't help but handle God's creation. You know, I I grew up in the the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas and we drive up to Tahoe. Who's ever been to Lake Tahoe before? And I'm telling you what, there would be a point in our drive on I-80, where we're coming around this bend and you open up and you see the Sierra Nevadas and I, it is one of the most breathtaking, glorious views and I feel so small. My affection is stirred for Jesus. Oh God, you are the mover of mountains. You are the king of kings. Some of you, you know, I love to go surfing. I surf with my, with my buddy Aaron, Matt over here. We're in the water. I'll tell you what, this, isn't, this is not an excuse. I surf with my, my father-in-law, Jim. This is not an excuse to surf more, but honestly... I, my affection for Jesus is stirred when I'm out in the water early in the morning and it's glassy and I feel the power of the swell and I think of him as the God of deepest waters. That He's there. Oh man. You know, I like to. Some of you, you know, you, your affection is stirred for Jesus when you put on worship music in the house. Who's one of, who likes to do that? Come on, raise your hand. It's good. I love it. I love to put worship music on with my kids. We have a little dance party in the living room. It gets all Pentecostal. My daughter Ada's raising her hands and probably speaking in tongues. She can't talk yet, but but you know, it's just it's like this little dance party. I'll tell you what. My affection is stirred for Jesus when I see the I see my children's smile and their laughter and my affection is stirred because i think god you're so beautiful i love it sorry i get choked up but that's guys that's how our heavenly father looks at you today worshiping here in this place his affection for you is stirred and just as much as jesus wants you to abide in him he wants to abide in you he wants your life to be an abundant life full of fruit So would you just hear the invitation today? Gosh, we're coming to the end of the year 2020, and if there's ever been a more tumultuous year, it's it's this year. So would you just hear the invitation to abide in him? To end, to finish strong? Come on. I think sometimes we we read this and, and we emphasize the wrong thing. We emphasize, abide in me. We get so focused on abide, abide, abide. No, no, no. The emphasis is the true vine, Yeshua, Jesus. We read it like this, abide in me. Come to me. Abide in me. My life in you. My life through you to the glory of the Father. There are so many invitations that are thrown in our faces every day. To abide in lesser things, to make our home in lesser things, and we will always end up dry. So let me ask you today what have you made your home in? What are you dwelling in? What is motivating and moving you today? Lesser things? CNN? Fox News? Social media? Election results? Your job? your family, what is motivating and moving you? Are there things that ultimately can't produce the life that Jesus can? Jesus says this to us today, abide in me. That relationship will pass away. Jesus says, not my words. That bottle will pass away. Jesus says, not my words. Are you withering? Do you feel like that branch in verse six on the ground, withered and dry? Well, hear the words of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, receive my love for you today and live it. Abide in me because if you're connected to anything else, you will end up weary and dry. And if you are here today, and you're feeling weary and dry and withering away, Jesus says this to you, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Who needs rest deep down in their souls here today? Who needs a rest here at the end of 2020 today? A deep satisfaction in Jesus. That's what he offers to you today. I'm going to invite the band back on the stage. And I think the most appropriate way we can end this morning is to stir our affection for Jesus. It's to come to a place of renewing our affection in Jesus. Understanding that the abundant life of fruitfulness is only in him. And if you are withered and dried, then turn to him today. There are going to be men and women up front who would love to pray for you. Take the time as we worship to maybe come and kneel like Mary at the feet of Jesus, who is stirring her affection for her Messiah. She was so infatuated with Jesus. She chose the better thing. Maybe you come up front today and you would would just kneel before your Lord and Savior Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you don't You don't know Jesus. You're not connected to the vine. You're trying to make it on your own and you're feeling the weight of the pressure of it. Then I encourage you today to make a choice to choose life, to choose the abundant life of Jesus offered through him. He is the God who helps you along the way. He hung blood and gave his life on the cross for you. He said it is finished for you so that by faith, You can receive his grace and be saved. So I would would encourage you to call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved today as we worship in the quietness of your own heart. And then tell someone about it. Tell someone about the decision you made to follow Jesus today. Are we in church? Come on, let's abide in the true vine Jesus Christ and let's worship today, amen?